What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're talking week two recap. We're going to recap all the events in the Big Ten, as well as a few things nationally. Also, we're going to start with some breaking news coming out of East Lansing. If you like the podcast, make sure make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music. Leave a review. Send me an email, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. Follow us on social media, Instagram and X at Big Ten Football Talk. Those are the handles. I believe the, the X one is also at Zach Guggenheim if you want to follow me there. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and start with kind of the, the big news in, I think, not just the Big Ten, but I think nationally in college football. Um, which is a, a very sad thing, which is the the her, the sexual harassment case that came out about Mel Tucker, Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker. Uh, I want to just give you a little information. I'm not going to talk too much about what I believe about the situation or anything like that. Just probably maybe give a little commentary on what it means for Michigan State. Uh, as a program, because that's where it affects people the most. But to give you the skinny here, Mel Tucker, who's obviously, at, I believe, on his the fourth year, uh, his fourth year at Michigan State, it's the he's on his second year of his new deal. He has been there. There's been an investigation, an ongoing investigation in East Lansing that has to do with a sexual harassment uh, claim. The The sexual harassment claim is by a sexual assault advocate. I, I guess you would call her Brenda Tracy, who if you're familiar at all with her, she's uh, she has a following. She uh, is well known in the space of talking to college students about sexual assault. She was already a sexual assault survivor. And apparently there was some sort of thing that happened that, that Mel Tucker brought her in to talk to his players. And now there is an allegation that she has brought forth against him. Not going to say the specifics just for the sake of, of who might be listening to the show. Uh, it's, it's graphic stuff though. And it's, it's sad. And regardless first of all it he's a, mel tucker is a married guy so even if it was consensual it's sad uh if it's if it wasn't consensual it's just it's downright deplorable and i, I don't know what again i'm not going to do a lot of commentary other than mel tucker has been suspended several reporters are stating their opinion that he's probably never going to coach at Michigan state again. And quite honestly, I 
I think that's probably where this is heading because at this point it's a, he said, she said, and even if it was consensual, I think this is, it's, it's a terrible look for Michigan state. And I, I don't think it was, I, I think this is a, it's bad all the way around is my point. And it's going to be, it's going to result in, in him getting fired, I think. And if he gets fired, it will be for cause. And so remember, he signed a 10 million, a 10 year, $95 million deal that gets nullified. If he's fired for cause this, this is a firing for cause. I, at least I would imagine that it would be that. So in a sense, Michigan state gets out of a big contract, which I, I hate to talk about it in that way, but the reality is that I, because I don't want to talk about the specifics and about the morality other than it, regardless of whether it was consensual or not, it's wrong. It's just wrong. Okay. But I, I think there's also the reality that last year did not go well for Mel Tucker and now he comes back. And I think people are wondering how in the world he, this is they're They're stuck with this contract. Well, now you have this awful, awful thing that happened off the field that is for cause. I already think you probably had at least some some folks probably had reason to get rid of them. This now accelerates that prog that that process. I, I hate to say it that way because it, I, I feel like what I'm saying, it sounds like I'm saying, oh, this is Michigan State's excuse to get rid of him. I I don't think it's I don't think it's quite that like that. I, I do think if if Mel Tucker were eleven and one last year, I think it gets a lot harder to fire fire him from Michigan State's perspective. That being said, I, I think he should probably get fired from a morality perspective, from a, uh, yeah, just the, the, the optics, the PR, I, I don't love it. And I, I think it's a, it's a terrible thing. Where does Michigan state go from here? Uh, what does, uh, Alan Haller, the athletic director do? Well, they've already done a few things. Uh, he is suspended and they have, th this has been an investigation that's been ongoing so this is not, this is not new. What's new is the public figuring out about it. Um, there apparently throughout this, there were, there was a no contact order for Tucker. There was increased oversight of the program as this was going. Um, th so it seems like they've done a lot of due process already, which I think is good because Mel Tucker can't really come back at them and be like, Hey, what the heck you, you didn't wait until all the facts came out. It seems like they have, they have been reviewing it and then there was a leak or someone got the story and now they're making the decision to suspend as more and more information comes, uh, comes out. Uh, Harlan Barnett is, going to serve as the interim head coach. He's a Michigan state assistant. So he's going to serve in that role. And then I think some very big news as well 
Mark D'Antonio, former Michigan State head coach, maybe the the best head coach in Michigan State history, is coming back as an associate head coach during his leave of absence. So I don't know what th- what that means for the future. I doubt D'Antonio is back for the long term. But they, I think they, it seems like the Spartans have been at least preparing for this possibility for at least a few months now. So I don't think this takes them by surprise. I don't think they're acting too rashly. Uh, I think where you really start to get concerned, though, is the future, right? Um, This is a conference that is only getting better and more competitive with more competitive teams, right? And Michigan State, you know, last year was not very good. In 2020 was not very good. Not necessarily projected to do well, although they've looked better than I expected the first couple weeks. I just, I I think the timing of this from a competitive standpoint is really, really rough because of what's coming down the pike. And the reality is they're, they're not, even though they've looked good, I don't think they're going to be a team that necessarily does well this year. Maybe, maybe more better than 500 maybe, but they, they're just in a beast of a division. So I, I just don't know what to, what to make of it athletically. I think it's a, it's a bad time for something. It's always, man, I say that like it's never, or it's that there could be a good time for this. It's not, it's never a good time for something like this. And for, for it to be at Michigan state where there's been a pattern of sexual misconduct, I'm sure it opens a lot of wounds. I'm sure it opens a lot of uh, just awful stuff. And so I, I recognize even in the first few minutes of this, I'm talking about this. I probably haven't been the most eloquent in talking about it. I just want to be clear. Maybe my main takeaways. One is that this was a, this is a horrendous thing that happened. Um, you know, if, proven true. And I I think it, in all indications, it's proving to be, uh, true. Uh, and so uh, if, if it is true, it's a horrendous thing for someone to be violated like this. It's, it's dehumanizing, it's demoralizing and it's wrong and there needs to be action taken. So from that perspective, I think you know, we want to do due process. We want to do all that stuff. But if if it comes out, comes to light, and it seems like it has, that this is what's happened, Mel Tucker should be fired. At the same time, it's it's it stinks for Michigan State. It stinks for the the student athletes and the fans. And yeah, to have to go through something like this again um, as a program, as an athletic department. And so my heart goes out to uh, the woman who uh, has been harmed my, and I think as well to the fans, the Spartan fans uh, who are affected by this and the student athletes who are affected by this. Cause it, 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 it's just a no win situation. It's reality that transgressions like this never just hurt 
you. It's never just a solo thing. It, it really hurts a lot of people. And so it's a, it's a bummer. Uh, that, that was a lot more time than I wanted to take. I, the way I'm going to recap is I'm, I'm just going to go through my power rankings for the big 10 and through that, you'll kind of get my, my thought process through each team and, and each game. Yeah, Nor Northwestern is 14th, but they they had a solid win on Saturday against UTEP. They won 38 to 7. You know, it's tied at seven in the first quarter. And I just thought, yep, Northwestern's gonna blow this thing just like I thought they would. And instead, they blew this game open in the third quarter. Uh, you know, Ben Bryant, he he got hurt in the second half, but he had a, an efficient day, 11 for 17. Uh, threw for a touchdown. Cam Porter had a good game, 17 carries, 90 yards. You know, they ran for close to 200 yards in this game, and the defense played really well. Uh, got three picks on UTEP. So it, UTEP is not a good team. I it, Like, I want to make that clear, but I thought Northwestern was going to lose this game. They won by 31. And so that's positive momentum for David Braun, the interim head coach there. I think I think it really gets the monkey off the back after everything that happened. You know, speaking of scandals and and hard things at programs, this was really good for the Wildcats and for David Braun to get this first win. And it was more dominant than I expected. So, you know, we'll see. I again, I don't think this means much in terms of Northwestern's progress moving forward, but stranger things have happened and I, as you'll see, I think the West continues to show it's it's maybe not as uh, it, it might be more wide open than we think. So I've got Northwestern 14th, Nebraska. I have 13. I they've got to find a different quarterback because the the reality is Nebraska. You know, a lot of people are going going nuts about Colorado and how great they were. And I, I think Colorado is a decent team. I doubt they are in the top 25 by the end of the season. There's too many good teams in the Pac-12, first of all. And also, they're not going to face another team that turns the ball over like Jeff Sims does. Like Sims, he, he he's, a, he's a walking turnover. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to him. I'm sure he's a good guy, but he's not a power five quarterback, at least not right now. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but he is turnover prone. And I, I think I, I saw it was four turnovers, unforced turnovers by Nebraska. Completely changed the game. Completely changed the game. They they were better on the, on the offensive and defensive line, but it doesn't matter if your quarterback can't handle a snap and he's fumbling all day long. So Nebraska's got a quarterback problem and I'll say to the Nebraska fans have patience with Matt rule. I, I think, you know, everybody's everybody after the game was saying, well, Matt rule didn't get guys like Deion Sanders did. Da, 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 da. Uh, Deion has an unfair advantage that he could, that his son is the star quarterback and he recruited Travis Hunter at Jackson state. I, they, they're both in, in similar rebuilds. It's just that to, to borrow a phrase from Jim Harbaugh, one was born on third base. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way uh, to Deion Sanders. It's just 
Matt Rule wasn't going to get a guy like Shadur Sanders because he didn't have a connection. And you know what? If Dion's son, if he didn't have a really elite quarterback or a really good quarterback that was his son, I don't think Colorado would be here either. So just remember when you're comparing Matt Rule and Dion, Dion had some built in advantages. Okay. Now, I think Dion could coach as well. That's, but Matt Rule has proven that he can coach and that he can coach, he can build teams up. It's just, this is a long term rebuild. And I know Nebraska fans don't want to hear that, but it's a long term rebuild. So he needs more than two games and he needs another quarterback for sure. Uh, 12, I got Indiana. I thought they had a good, good bounce back. Um, I'm glad they, they committed to Taven Jackson. Uh, it, you know, they, they did what you're supposed to do against an overmatched opponent. They won 41 to seven over Indiana state. They started fast. I think the seven points that they had was, I believe from a pick six. Uh, so the defense played really well. Um, I, I'm curious to see how Indiana's defense continues to do and, and continues to evolve. Cause I think it, they might be a little bit better than I expected. So I've got them at 12 for now. But we'll see. Uh, Rutgers at, at 11. Rutgers, I, I don't know what to make of their win over Temple because that game was pretty close for a good chunk of the game. And then Rutgers really pulled away. And then, I mean, they dominated Northwestern. And Northwestern came out with a dominant win over UTEP, in the, particularly in the second half. Um, but this game was, was it was 13-0 into the fourth quarter. You know, they turned EJ Warner over twice, you know, so they allowed a lot of passing yards, but, you know, it didn't really, it didn't hurt them at all. Um, they were able to run, run the ball like crazy against Temple. Kyle Manung guy, 165 yards uh, tw on 28 carries. He was great. Um, Wimzat was all right. You know, he threw for, for almost 200 yards. So his yards per attempt was good, but I, you know, I'd like to see him be more efficient, which I think is one of, I think is weakness right now. But again, I, I just, it's weird to know where Rutgers is as a program right now. They're two and oh, two dominant wins, two double digit wins. You know, where is this team as a program? I, I I'm very, I really want to know more about this team and we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Obviously they, they'll, they'll play some teams in the East that will challenge them more than temple. I've got Purdue 10th and I, I, I told you Purdue was going to beat Virginia tech. Now my, my feeling about Syracuse has changed a little bit. I think Syracuse is a better team than, than Virginia tech, but it, I think it's a home, but again, I, I thought Hudson card was going to be the better quarterback over Grant Wells, Grant Wells threw two picks. Uh, Purdue ran the ball. I thought fairly well, Devin Mockaby, 21 carries for 95 yards. Um, you know, Hudson Carr, their rushing average is down a little bit. I think part of that was Hudson card running and, and getting sacked. And I think they also, you know, they had three kneel downs for negative five yards. So it, it impacted the, the rushing total. But again, I think if you're a Boilermaker fan, it, it, it's a big thing. I know Virginia tech's not great, but to go to lane stadium, to get a win there, I thought was really good. So I've got Purdue at, at 10 Illinois. I have nine. Uh, 
Illinois got it, that that score is not as close as you think it is. And I know I, I already have angered uh I've, I've already angered at Illinois fans. It was 28 to 7 at the half. Kansas Kansas was dominant in that in that game. And Illinois came back late, you know, had a chance to at least, you know, maybe get it to a one-score game. Altmeyer threw a pick at the end of that game. But the reality is you take away quarter, uh, you take away a 72 yard run from Altmeyer, which was a, a big touchdown run he had in the second half. You take that, that run away. It's 27 carries for 67 yards. Like we're, we're talking two and a half yards of carry. And that, that is very concerning. Now, Reggie Love had eight carries for 45 yards. McCray had four carries for 20 yards. Um, but again, you know, they had a couple of 10, 11 yard runs, and then it's a lot of nothing. You compare that to Kansas running the ball. You know, Devin Neal averaged 12 yards a carry. Uh, Highshaw averaged um, close to a little over eight yards a carry. Illinois got problems on the lines. I, I thought Illinois would be stronger on the lines. They were not. And Kansas was was easily the better team. I still like Altmeyer. I think Altmeyer, despite the two picks, is he's a good player. But I have my doubts about Illinois after losing every everyone that they did in the back on the back end. And I'm concerned about their line play right now. I now I trust Bielema over a guy like Ryan Walters to get it fixed and to help them gel. But right now, you know, Illinois is not a top 25 caliber team. Like maybe some people thought Uh, Kansas, I think might be Kansas actually looks really good. Um, But I think Illinois has got some work to do. Um, I've got Minnesota eight, you know, Minnesota, it was ho-hum. I, I wish, uh, Kaliak Manis looked better against, a not great team. There, there were moments in this game where I thought is PJ, is this going to be a PJ flex special where they blow this game? They did not. And so I am grateful for that. You know, they pulled away and they did work on the running game. Like I thought, you know, Darius Taylor came in 33 carries for 193 yards, a touchdown. Sean Tyler had a good game, 17 carries, 93 yards. Uh, I I'm curious why they pulled Tyler. I, I, I'm not sure if there's an injury because I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game. Um, but the defense, Minnesota's defense played really, really well in this game, uh, held them to 152 total yards. So again, good showing for the defense, still very concerned about the offense, but Minnesota, at, at least from a defensive perspective, you know, they, the only touchdown they've allowed is on that crazy trick play that shouldn't have worked against Nebraska. So three field goals and a weird trick play that should have gone wrong are the only points that they've allowed so far as a defense. So good on them. I got Michigan state seven. Uh, you know, they beat up, beat up an FCS team, which they should have done, but they dominated like they should. Uh, it was 38, nothing going into the fourth quarter and then Richmond scored a couple of junk touchdowns. So they did what they're supposed to do. Noah Kim continues to look good. 18 to 22, 292 yards, three touchdowns. So good, good on him. 
Maryland at six. I, I turned this game on, I think, in the first five minutes and saw 14 to nothing Charlotte and thought, uh-oh. And then I think Maryland, they were composed. You know, they didn't they didn't let the you know let the pick six really get to them. And I thought they played good good ball after that. You know, Charlotte probably had a few more explosive plays than I would like. I think that's going to be something that they go back and work on. But, you know, when Tugavailoa plays clean ball, he, he's, I think, a top five quarterback in the league. And, you know, Roman Hemby had a great game, averaged eight yards a carry, had a touchdown. Um, you know, again, I think underrated receiving core. So I, I think this is a good team. I just, they got to make sure that they avoid, you know, Tungavailoa being loose with the ball. So I've got I've got Maryland at six, Wisconsin at five. Uh I, I was very disappointed in the Badgers. I thought Wisconsin was a, a legitimate playoff contender. Listen, I thought Tanner Mordecai played a, a pretty good game. You know, he was not the most efficient, but you know, completed over 60% of his passes threw for nearly 300 yards, 278. He got no help from the running game. Braylon Allen, seven carries, 20 yards. Ches Malusi, 12 carries for 49 yards. I mean, they they only ran the ball 29 times. And I think part of the reason why is because it was not working. It, it just was not working. And Washington State was up early, 24 to six at, at half. At that point, you almost kind of have to abandon the run game. And so... Washington state got them out of the run game, which is what they want to do, but also they could not run the ball. Like it was just hard for them all night. They're barely averaging three yards of carry. And that's concerning because I think Washington state's a, I think they're a good team. Uh, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to be anything special in the PAC 12. Now the PAC 12 is proving itself to be, I think a very, a very good conference. So I think it's very possible that Washington state is a top 20, 25 caliber team, but might be finished fifth or sixth in the conference. That being said, if you're Wisconsin, I don't know what you do after this because you're going to face better teams in Washington state. And I, I think teams that can throw the ball and teams that are dynamic, that have playmakers, they're going to see this film and they will be like, Oh, we can exploit Wisconsin because their defense, I thought their defense played a really good third quarter, but then the rest of the game, I just felt like they were, they, they were undisciplined and slow and they can be exploited, which I was surprised by. And I, I think the offensive line has a lot of work to do. So I do have them at five. Um, I, I honestly, it's, I think it's a drop. It's, it's a pretty significant drop between one, two and three and the rest and I, I think it might be a significant drop after four. And my number four team's Iowa. Um, Iowa, they were up 17 nothing, uh, I believe, at the half. Uh, let me let me just double check that. Sorry, 17 to three at the half. I it looked closer than it was. It's 20 to 13. The reality is it was 20 to three. And then Iowa State got 10 points in the fourth quarter. You know, McNamara played, I thought, clean for the most part, you know, had the one pick, but he didn't need to do much. 
Uh, Iowa, I thought, ran well enough in the first half, and then they kind of they kind of just shut it down again. Um, I think Brian Ferentz has like three good offensive calls a game, which is concerning, especially when your job it's in your contract that you have to score twenty five points a game. So he, he's uh, averaging three points. You know, he's averaging three points too little right now. So he needs to, he needs to get on that. But I, I, I think Iowa has pieces that other teams don't like, I, I, you know, looking at Wisconsin, I don't think they have a, a playmaker or a couple playmakers uh, in the passing game. Like Iowa does with the tight ends. Um, Luke, Luke Lachey, Eric all, both I think are, are big time tight ends. And I I don't think Wisconsin has that even with DK at receiver and, and some of the other guys they have, I think Iowa has, has more uh, matchup problems for teams than Wisconsin does. So I, I like Iowa. Um, you know, they, they, they have to, they have to score more points. I mean, they, they can't get to 20 and then sit on it, but they knew that they could get to 20 and, and, and beat Iowa state in this. So, um, number three, I've got Ohio state, you know, I, my biggest concern with the Buckeyes actually was not offense. You know, they, they had nine offensive drives, not including a kneel down at the end of the game, Ohio state scored, I think five touchdowns and had four punts. And a lot of that was the second half. They weren't really trying like they were they were rotating quarterbacks and so in the first half four touchdowns to two punts and I thought that I'm like you know against a, a team that's trying to get their offensive line to gel and all that I, it's fine I, I think I'm still concerned about the running game but I think the offensive line starting to figure out a little bit more where I'm I'm most concerned for Ohio State is the defensive line and their lack of push up front both from pass rush as well as against the running game. I thought Youngstown State, they they looked like they could do business both on the ground and the quarterback had time. If the quarterback's more accurate, I think this is a closer game. And that's against an FCS opponent. So I, I think there's real problems. I think I think Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimoloau are they're, – they're not living up to the five-star billing. And I thought they would, and they're not. Um, so it's still early, but yeah, I just, I, I don't see the defensive production that I thought we would in a game like we saw. So, so I've got them at Ohio. I've got them at number three. I think there's a significant gap between number three and number two. And that's my number two team is Penn state. Uh, Penn state did what you're supposed to do against an FCS team. Blew them out 63 to seven. No excuses about clock or anything like that. They just took them to the woodshed and then Michigan number one. Uh, I, I'll just say this. I may have spoken too soon about the QB one in the conference. JJ's playing really, really well. Now it's UNLV. And I know the score doesn't look the, the score doesn't look impressive, but Michigan's not out. Michigan's not out to score 40 or 50. They just, they just want to run you over and get their win. And they did. And 
you know, that they only let UNLV score at the last, you know, the last part of the game. So I think Michigan is, is clearly the number one team in the country right now. They're the, the number one team in the conference right now. Uh, I, I just think they're, they're complete everywhere. And I think JJ takes them over the top. So those are my power rankings. Let me just talk about the top 10 nationally. I've got Bama at 10. I think all the reports that Nick Saban's dynasty dynasty is done need to stop. That the Texas game, Texas was great on Saturday. They were phenomenal. So I, I'm, this is not a knock against Texas, but the reality is it was a 10 point win. And a lot had to go wrong for Bama and a lot had to go right for Texas for them to win by 10. Now, granted, Texas had some miscues too, but Bama, you know, Milrow threw that or stared down a couple of guys that led to picks. They, I, I, I I didn't think the offensive play calling was all that great. There were, they were playing true freshmen in the secondary, you know, Caleb Downs who got beat for a touchdown or two in that game. He's, it was his second game. And so that's not to take away anything from Texas, but rather it's to say, listen, Bama is playing a quarterback that is green and they're still learning how to use. They, they have young pieces in the secondary and Bama still could have won that game. So I, I think I'm still on the lookout for them to run the table the rest of the way and win the SEC and get to the playoff. I don't think it, I'm not picking that, but every year that I pick against Bama, they end up in the playoff. So I, I just think reports that Nick Saban's dynasty is over, like people saying that, they have the most talent in college football. And I know certain guys online, they, they argue that Georgia does. Even if Georgia does, they, they're one of the top two in, in terms of overall talent. So number nine, uh, I still have Oregon State. I, I just, you know, they I think they're playing really well right now. I don't have USC in this, by the way. I, I do not buy USC's defense. And I don't think they've played anybody. And... I just think their defense is not very good and I don't buy them. So I, I know Caleb Williams is great, but I don't, I don't think they're a top four team in their conference right now. Maybe, maybe they're, they're fourth, but I've got, I've got several other teams in their own conference ahead of them right now. Uh, eight, I have Ohio state. I, I'm very tempted to drop Ohio State out of the top 10 right now because I think they they just look very, very inconsistent. I am looking forward to seeing what happens if Kyle McCord is established as the starter to see what happens. They, they play, a, I think, a decent Western Kentucky team this week. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I've got them at eight. Notre Dame at seven. Beat North Carolina State at North Carolina State by 21. I, I think Notre Dame's for real this year. They, I think Sam Hartman is a really good quarterback. I think they've got some, they've got some guys at receiver that I think are better than they had a year ago. I think their defense has improved from a year ago. I, I very likely am, am calling the upset in week four for Notre Dame over Ohio state. I, I think Notre Dame's really good this, this year, Washington at six. You know, it's, you know, 
they're they did what they're supposed to do. Penn State at five did what they're supposed to do. Georgia at four. I just they, they haven't played anybody and they've looked a little sluggish. So I still think Georgia is really, really good. I just don't have them at I just don't have them at one this this week or two. Um Texas at three. I think they deserve to be at three. I think Quinn Ewers looks great. I think Xavier Worthy and AD Mitchell, it's a it's a really good receiving core. And their defensive line, man, they're gonna give everybody problems on the defensive line, uh, on their defensive line. It's they're just massive and they're studs. They're I, right now, I, I think they have an inside track, obviously, to get to the playoff. I think they're really, really good. Michigan at two. I man, what a what a playoff game that would be. Michigan versus Texas with their Michigan's offensive line and Texas's defensive line. Oh, that'd be good. And I've got Florida State at one. I, I still seeing what Florida State did to LSU. I think LSU. I don't know. I I've got. I think Bama is a little bit better than LSU, but LSU might be a matchup problem because of Jaden Daniels. So I, I like Florida State, and Florida State pulled away in a way that Texas did not. So I've I've got Florida State at one um, for the time being, but it's fun. I mean, this is the most variation I think in a college football season that we've had in a long time. Like. Ohio State is out of the top four in the AP and and in my rankings. Uh, Alabama's out of the top four right now. We're talking about Florida State. We're talking about Texas. We're talking about Penn State. We're talking about Washington. We're talking about Notre Dame. Like, and I know a lot of people are talking about you about USC. You know, this is an exciting time for college football. So it'll be fun. It's week two. A lot can happen. So thanks for joining me on the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Uh, we'll be uh, coming at you with picks next week, or not next week, on on Thursday morning, either Thursday morning or Friday morning, whenever I can get that out. But appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.